Welcome back to Who's Talking. He's one of the most admired and controversial directors in the movie business. His impact on the world of cinema so profound, you can find his name in the Oxford Dictionary used as an adjective to describe his distinctive style of filmmaking. But now, he says he's close to ending his career as a director. So what's next? We'll ask him. You've had a few clunkers in recent years. You think? That's not perception. That's reality. Life is feeling stronger than ever now in my life. How would you rate yourself as a chef? Why, I'm not doing that with you, Christopher Wilder. Quentin Tarantino, welcome. Thank you for doing this. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. I want to start where you start in your new book, Cinema Speculation. You talk about your mother and stepfather taking you to wildly inappropriate (laughs) movies filled with violence, with sex, with swear words when you were seven years old. Question, how badly did that mess you up? Well, I don't think it messed me up at all. I think it just set me up uh, to uh, uh, appreciate cinema in a different way than my my peers did. My mom's whole thing, well, one, I asked her about that directly at a certain point, because at a certain point I realized I'm seeing movies that the other kids in school aren't seeing. And then I asked her about that, and then she goes, well, Quinn, I worry more about you watching the news. Uh, there's nothing in a movie that's going to mess you up. I love this book oh, because... You, I feel like Quentin Tarantino is giving me a personal tutorial on filmmaking. Uh, At one point, you talk about the young movie stars of the 1960s, Paul Newman, Warren Beatty, Mm -hmm. and Steve McQueen, and you single out a scene of McQueen in the movie Bullet. Take a look. Lieutenant, don't try to evade the responsibility. In your parlance, you blew it. You knew the significance of his testimony, yet you failed to take adequate measures to protect him. So to you, it was a job, no more. Were it more? And you the dedication, I was led to believe. You believe what you want. You work your side of the street, and I'll work mine. You say McQueen does something there that mm-hmm. nobody else at that time could. Mm-hmm. What? He doesn't do anything is what is what he is what he does. But yeah, I make a case in there that nobody did nothing the way McQueen did. He just fills the frame with himself. Just even watching that piece, it's like it would be hard to get any actor to sit in a scene like that and not roll their eyes or not editorialize with their face. Oh, what a jerk. Okay, look, buddy, you don't understand what's going on, even if it was just in their face. Forget about the normal lines we've heard. Look, Chalmers, I've got a, uh, I've got a detective in there fighting for his <laughs> life because of your detail, you know? Uh, 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 but that's not the case. He just doesn't engage at all. You know that he thinks this guy's a, 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 a putz, but he, you know, but he just simply doesn't engage. But he, But he's not passive either. It's a... I don't quite know how he did it. I think you have to be just born with that kind of inner inner charisma that he had. But nevertheless, though, that's not him playing himself. He, in real life, from everything I've heard, McQueen was a real hothead. He would not have acted like that. That's why it's called acting. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's take a trip through your, your movies. The first one you direct is Reservoir Dogs mm-hmm. in 1992, and you announce your arrival on the scene. Mm-hmm with this particular moment. (laughs) Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. 
That's Mr. Blonde torturing a cop. Yes, you cut it just before it got good. (laughs) (laughs) Or or would have closed the studio down. How did you come up with this idea of highly stylized violence? Hmm. Uh, No one's ever asked it to me like that before. I got to think of the uh, right way to answer that. I think, it, uh, well, I, I guess, I guess, I hadn't thought about it before quite like that, but I guess the answer is um, after going to see a ton of movies, uh, you know, there's all kinds of scenes that I respond to in movies. I respond to music sequences. Uh, I respond to big comedy sequences. It was like uh, they galvanized the, the entire theater. Everybody uh, woke up. Everybody got connected. And, you know, and I would go see a, a, a film that had a, a sequence like that. I would see it two or three times at the theaters just to see that sequence. And then just to have that experience uh, uh, with an audience. So, um, you know, again, we're talking about, you know, uh, you know, you're calling it violence. I, you know, it, it is violence. It's also action. I think it's also kind of what movies do in a way that's, uh, um, that's particular to them as opposed to uh, theater or literature is, you know, the filming of kinetic violence that, uh, that, uh, you know, that can usually, usually, that can have different reasons for the impact, but it can oftentimes give a cathartic release for an audience. Two years later, you make Pulp Fiction, and there we see something else that makes you unique, which is dialogue you won't find any place else. <laughs> yeah. What does Marcellus Wallace look like? What? What country are you from? What? what? What ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English in what? What? English, motherfucker! Do you speak it? Yes. Then you know what I'm saying. Yes. Describe what Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you won the Oscar yes. for Best Original Screenplay. What is the secret to Tarantino dialogue? How I do it is uh, is pretty simple. Um, I just get the characters talking to each other. So it's like me, the writer, is writing it. And yeah, I'm kind of controlling it for a while. But the idea is the conversation uh, 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 catches fire amongst the characters. And then they take it and run with it. And then I'm almost like a court reporter jotting it all down. And, uh, and then usually whatever comes out is what comes out. Now, inside of that, there is a, a, there is a rhythm to it. There is a musicality to it. There is a, a, a bit of rhyme that happens uh, uh, between some of the words and some of the phrases. And so, you know, it's not poetry, but it's not completely divorced from poetry. It's not rap, but it's not completely divorced from it. It's not a stand-up comedy act, but it's not completely divorced from that either. I want to show one other scene for no other reason than it's just so cool from Pulp Fiction. Great. John Travolta, Uma Thurman. Oh, okay. Here they are. (laughs) They had a high-five phone on 
music fell. C'est la vie, c'est the old folks. You go to show you never can tell. <laughs> How'd that come about? Everyone knows that I've kind of was uh, bringing John Travolta back from, I think, Look Who's Talking 3 uh, when he did the movie, and it set him up for a whole second act of his career and a really lovely, third act of his career for a really lovely way. But at the time, uh, you know, audiences would go see the film. They didn't quite know everything yet, so they're feeling, oh, John Travolta's in this. Oh, I haven't seen him in a while, so he's in the movie, and he's playing a gangster, and it's all going along, and it's funny, and it's this. Then they go to Jack Rabbit Slims, and everything's interesting, and it's a funny dialogue back and forth. This is all interesting, and they go, okay, and now it's time for this twist contest. And uh, um, uh, Uma Thurman goes, okay, right here. And then they go up there, and then he takes off his shoes. And then all of a sudden, all throughout the audience of a packed theater, and this happened for a few weeks when the movie was first opened, you had this little realization like, oh my God, he's going to dance. He's actually going to dance. And then John Travolta, one of the biggest dance stars of the last 30 years, in a movie you did not expect that to happen, goes out there and cuts a rug and brings the house down. So let's jump ahead. 2009, your World War II movie, Inglorious Bastards. And here's a scene where Aldo Rain, who's the head of the American commando unit, the Bastards, has a surprisingly civil conversation <laughs> with SS officer Hans Landa. <laughs> yes. So you're Aldo the Apache. So you're the Jew hunter. I'm a detective, a damn good detective. Finding people is my specialty, so naturally I worked for the Nazis finding people, and yes, some of them were Jews, but Jew hunter? <laughs> Just a name that stuck. Well, you do have to admit, it is catchy. <laughs> so often in your movies, uh, instead of realism, you go for the way we wish life would be, don't you? Uh-huh. Well, sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, I mean, well, starting with that one particularly, all right, where uh, I, I kind of consider Bastards uh, the, the first part of my uh, 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 rewriting history <laughs> trilogy with uh, that Django and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, but, you know, the way that ended up coming about is I didn't start the movie with the idea, oh, and this will be the movie that I kill Hitler. That will be the whole thing. And I'll re-engineer everything so that happens. I never really... I never have a, a super clue about exact, I have a clue, take that back. I have a clue, but I never know 100% how the movie is going to end when I start writing it. I don't do a whole uh, synopsis about the whole thing. Now, they're genre movies, so I have an idea. I figured at the end of Bastards, or, you know, the guys would go on a mission. I figure at the end of Kill Bill, she's going to kill Bill. But how she kills Bill is to be determined. So the thing about it is I'm, I'm writing the script, and now all of a sudden the, the bastards are in the theater and the whole idea is to blow up the theater and kill, uh, kill Hitler. And I go, hey, this is actually kind of working out. <laughs> I thought there would be more problems uh, to the mission. This, is act- this could actually work. Well, what do I do now? And I didn't want it to have an ending like uh, 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 the eagle has landed where, oh, okay, they kill Churchill, but it's a double. Or, and I, what, so I'm going to have Hitler sneak out the back door, all right, just before the, the theater bursts in the flames? And I go, 
I'm like, oh, God, what? I've just written myself into a corner. What do I do? And I'm, it's like, like four in the morning or three in the morning or something like that. And I go, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then I just had the idea. And so I just took a piece of paper and I wrote, just effing kill him. And then, I, okay, let me put that piece. I don't know if that's a good idea or a bad idea. Let me just put the piece of paper on my bedside table and let me go to bed. Right. When I wake up the next morning, I'll look at it and I'll know more if, if this is a good idea or a bad idea. And when I woke up the next morning, I thought it was a good idea. <laughs> it's, it's your movie. Yeah. Well, that brings me to your latest movie, yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, where the Manson family runs around yeah. Los Angeles killing people. Mm-hmm. And the scene we're going to show here is where Sharon Tate's next door neighbor, Rick Dalton, uh goes to the gate of Sharon Tate's estate. Take a look. Are you okay? Well, yes, I am. Thank you for asking that. Rick, would you like to come up to the house for a drink and meet my other friends? Well, yeah, sure. Thank you. Oh, hooray! Great, I'll buzz you up. Now, what those of us mm-hmm. who are old enough to have lived through those times knows, which not everybody does, is that the Manson family slaughtered yeah. a pregnant Sharon Tate. Yeah. And when I see that scene, mm-hmm. sitting at, I watch it at home, I'm sorry, not in the movie theater, okay, yeah. I got the most sudden, surprising sense of peace mm-hmm. and relief because Sharon Tate doesn't die. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and I don't know why that, but it really profoundly affected me because I guess it had been one of the great stains of yeah. that part of my life. It, it provokes, it provokes a, 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 an interesting kind of uh, implosion, I think, inside of people, their heart, their consciousness or whatever. Uh, and it's, 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 it's rather unique. Um, and I'm very, I'm very happy about that. But at the same time, though, it's also very bittersweet. You're like, oh, yes. That means that she survived. Right. She's alive. And then also you kind of just feel from the moment that her voice comes on the box that she's safe. There's going to be no other, there's, no, no, there's no. not another shoe to drop. All right. right? The, the tableau is, 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 is rather beautiful and it's very, very sweet and it's, it's comforting. But the truth of the matter is the moment after you have that feeling, you have the other thing. Oh, no, no, this is not what happened. <laughs> No, I stayed with the. Oh, I, stayed, okay. <laughs> I stayed with the fantasy. Because <laughs> oftentimes it's like the very next feeling after that is no, 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 no. This did not happen. No, I thought I basked in in Tarantino you, you land. Hung, you, hung, you hung in there. You I hung, hung in, in there. there. Okay, in your book, you talk about going to see a Jim Brown movie when you were nine years old in an audience that is almost entirely black, and you say that. The, the, the crowd is screaming mm-hmm. at the screen. They're fully engaged, fully yeah. uh, interactive in this. And right. you say that you have spent the rest of your life trying to recreate mm-hmm. that experience. Is that really what it's all about for you, which is taking the audience on a great ride? Yeah, I, and the thing is, that's not, uh, that, that's, 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 ver- that's very well said. And the thing is, 
The type of cinema I do is not the only type of cinema there is. There's all types of cinema, and people can have all types of ambitions for their uh, 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 for their films. And there's all kinds of tenor that a movie can play out at. But um, with me, uh, it is about that theatrical experience, and it is about connecting to the audience. And I want to. Um, I want to play the audience. When you go see a film, and either I do it or I don't. Either I fail or I succeed. But I want it to be as if I'm a conductor and the audience is my orchestra. I've done the movie. Now I'm going to show you a bunch of stuff and I'm going to control your reactions. And I'm going to manipulate your reaction. I, I was going to see whether you're going to use the word manipulate. You're not afraid of that. I got enough. That's my job. Uh, you're an audience member. I'm there to. I'm. I'm. I'm there to monkey with you. That is. That is definitely the job. Okay. Laugh. 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 Stop laughing. Stop laughing. Stop laughing. <laughs> no laughing. No laughing. <laughs> laugh. All right. You know. Ba ba ba. Be scared. Be scared. Okay. You're scared. You're terrified. You're scared. You're scared. You're scared. Relief. Or jump. Or whatever. I think one of the things that comes across in the book that I align myself with the audience almost even more than I do with other artists to some degree, uh, uh, that uh, that's a great night at the movies. That was worth leaving the house. That was worth spending God knows how much uh, uh, the movie cost uh, to share that experience with a bunch of other strangers. You talk about being the conductor and the audience being the, the, the orchestra. So when people say, well, there's too much violence in movies, he uses the N-word mm -hmm. too, too often, you say what? You should then see something else. Really. It's like, you know, uh, 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 if, if you have a problem with my movies, there's other movies to go see. You know, apparently I'm not making, you know, apparently I'm not making them for you. Uh, this, we're going to take a turn here for sure, a moment. Uh, you made... Most of your movies with Harvey Weinstein, yeah. and he's been convicted of rape. He's mm -hmm. now on trial in California on a second sex crimes case. You heard stories about him over the years. You've mm -hmm. said that. Why didn't you do more to try to stop him and to protect the women? Well, I never, okay, I never heard the stories that later came out at all. I heard the same stories that everybody had heard. What what I wish, what I wish I had done was talk to Harvey about it and said, Harvey, you can't do this. This Well, what did you think this was? You know, frankly, to tell you the truth, I I I chalked it up to uh, a madman era version of the uh, uh, the boss chasing the secretary around the desk. Uh, I'm not saying that's okay, but I mean that's how that's that's how I that's how I more or less heard everything I heard was more or less in that category. And um, as his friend, I wish I had been more of a friend and 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 uh, there was never there was never any talk of rape or anything like that. And like the reason I didn't was because that's a real hard conversation to have because I 
I felt it was pathetic. I felt what he was doing was pathetic, and, and I, I didn't want to deal with his patheticness. Looking back, do you have regrets and, and the thought? I mean, when you say chasing the, the, the secretary around the desk, it's one thing. A, obviously, you say you didn't know how severe it was, but did you think it was casting couch type stuff, kind of, of Hollywood lore? Uh, I thought it was the way I described it at the, the way I described it at first. I didn't think it was, okay, you do this for me or you're not going to get this movie. I did, uh, uh, and I had never heard any actresses say anything like that. It was just, uh, uh, you, know, you know, just don't get in the back of a limo with him. Right. I didn't know anything that anybody else didn't know. I'm just the one honest enough to say that, look, I, you know, I, I had, I had heard some of these. I had heard some of these things, but not the things that came out. Just literally, just a guy abusing his situation as a uh, you know uh, as a studio head. For the most part, like I've always heard that uh, uh, Louis B. Mayer did, and uh, and you know, all the Hollywood moguls did to one degree or another. Again, it was easy to it was easy. Uh, 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 it was easy to compartmentalize it uh, uh, to you know to some degree. Anyway, I feel bad about. Look, I, I I feel bad about it now. But when, when I but what I feel bad about is I feel bad that I did not have a man to man talk with him about it. Let's end this by talking about movies. You say that when Jaws came out in 1975, mm -hmm. it may not have been the best film ever made, but it was the best movie ever mm -hmm. made. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? Well, it's. Uh, that's also a pretentious way to talk about movies. Oh, this is film and this is movie. I don't quite mean it. In that, in that pretentious way. But uh, Robert Brisson is not making movies for you to eat popcorn to. He's, he's doing something else. He has different fish to fry. Uh, Werner Herzog is not making movies for you to eat popcorn to. Uh, Steven Spielberg is making movies that go great with popcorn and go great with, 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 with soda pop and, uh, and red vines or whatever it is uh, that, that's your treat. And... Uh, uh, it's not, I, you know, I've kind of made it a point that I see no difference as far as better or worse than film and, or, or movies. But the thing about it is personally, I like them both and I appreciate them both. But at the end of the day, I'll always choose a movie, which again, it's, it's, it's meant to affect an audience in an entertainment way. It's meant to, uh, affect an audience in a, uh, especially an American audience, in a slightly raucous way. I mean, if you, when you talk about conductor and the orca, uh, the audience is the well, and that's one of the then then Jaws is maybe the greatest conductor job in the history <laughs> of uh, of cinema. You are now the father of two small children. Your older child, Leo, is two mm. and a half, and you have described him as the audience you have spent your life waiting for. Yes. Are you showing him movies? Uh, well, we watched uh, uh, we watched one movie so far. We watched uh, Despicable Me two. But you know he's he's two and a half. His his attention span for like sitting down and watching something is about fifteen minutes, maybe twenty minutes. Or uh, uh, usually it, it can you know if he's watching like three Peppa Pig things or three baby TV things, they're about ten minutes or fifteen minutes each. And might he might. See, see two in a row or three in a row, but but that's about his attention span. He's not ready to give himself over to a big narrative. Uh, um, so speaking of big narratives, mm -hmm. when he gets older, yeah, are you going to let him see 
at age seven, the kind of movies that your mom let you see? Well, I, uh, I would, depending on him. I mean, look, part of the reason that it worked what my, what my mom and, and, and Kurt, my stepfather, was doing was the fact that they knew who they were dealing with. They knew they were dealing with me. They were dealing with, they were dealing with little Quentin. If I was a boy that did not have those kind of interests, or if I was a girl that did not have those kind of interests, they probably would have left me at home with a babysitter. So the thing is, you can say that, you can ask that question, but it's a really arbitrary, arbitrary question until Leo starts like revealing his real true interest once he gets older. Now, if he's attracted to contraband kind of images and, and is attracted uh, 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 to certain things and seems like he has a hunger and a desire for it, well, then, yeah, absolutely. If he shows no interest in it, uh, uh, then probably not. Finally, you say that your next movie, mm -hmm. your 10th, is going to be your last. Mm -hmm. Why? You're making great movies. No, thank you. Well, it's I've been doing it for a long time. I've been doing it for 30 years. And uh, it's... It's time to wrap up the show. You know, it, it's uh, uh, I've, I've done it. I've, I've given my my I've given my whole life to it. You know, uh, I didn't start a family until late in life. I've you know I've been I've always kind of equated uh, if you're doing movies on on you know on the level that I've been doing, uh, actually the level I've been allowed to do. It's I, I equate it to mountain climbing. You know, and so and this movie is my Mount Everest, and this movie is Kilimanjaro, and this movie is Fuji, and uh, uh, and I've you know I've spent all that time on the mountain, and uh, I you know I'm, I'm like I said I'm an entertainer. I want to leave you wanting more, you know, and not just work, and I don't want to work to diminishing returns. Uh, I don't want to be uh, one. I don't want to become this old man who's out of touch. And already, I'm feeling a bit like an old man out of touch when it comes to. Uh, uh, the current movies that are out right now. Uh, and that's what happens. That's exactly what happens. Do you have any idea what your 10th and last film is going to be? No, I don't at all, because I'm, I'm also not in a giant hurry to make my last movie either. So uh, I've got my book, I'm doing a few other things, and then I'll figure out what the next movie will be. But also, by the time I figure out what the next movie will be, I'll have a better idea of what even a movie is now. I don't even, right now, I don't even know what a movie is. Is that something that plays on Netflix? Is that something that plays on Amazon and everyone wa and the, people watch it on their couch with their wife or their husband? Uh, uh, is that a movie? Because uh, my last movie opened up in 3,000 theaters and played all over the world for, you know, for a couple of months. So uh, that's what I even mean by diminishing returns. Now, the thing is, I don't have the answer to that question, but I don't think anybody else does either. I think it's a uh, uh, remains-to-be-seen uh, situation. And so by that time, I'll know what, what movies even are a few years from now. Quentin, thank you. This was a delight. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Cinema Speculation is Tarantino's second New York Times bestseller. His first book a novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood debuted at number one last year. Both books are full Tarantino and maybe a sign of what's to come after he makes his final film and moves on to the next phase of a remarkable career. Thanks for watching. Catch us every Sunday night on CNN and keep streaming anytime you want right here on HBO Max to find out who's talking next.
now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.